Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for workers are worth their keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at that person's house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Most of you know Jeff, pastor of First Baptist Church downtown and a friend of mine. Allowed me to go on vacation last week with my family, so he's going to bring us the word today. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Welcome him. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, well, we over at First Baptist are joining with you in prayer for the Thomas family. Uh, Jennifer was supposed to be speaking tonight, so I'm subbing for her uh, as well. So um, just to know that uh, we are joining with you in that fight and in that prayer. So. We've heard the scripture read. Uh, let me pray one more time. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Our oh Lord, our rock, our redeemer, we pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds with, uh, uh, with readiness, with attentiveness, with attention to your word. Help us to live in the reality to which they point, be changed by them. Thank you for being our teacher tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what are you doing here? What are you doing here, folks? I mean, what are we? What are we doing here? What are we really uh, doing in this place? What, what are we up to in this place? What are we um, all about? Are we just playing church here tonight? Are we just watching church, what's going on? Like... Like you would go watch a soccer game down at Century Link Field. Are you just in the Are you just in the stands, just watching what's going on? Um, what do people see? What would people see if they if they peeked in these windows here? If they weren't, I don't know. I don't, what, do you, what do you call these windows? Opaque or or uh, yellow? <laughs> if they weren't so unseethrowable. We can, we can say that word. Now, what would people see if they, if they peeked in on what's going, what's, what's going on here tonight? What would people see if they peeked in on, um, if they peeked in on your arrival or your process of arrival to, to church tonight or in the mornings, you know? Um, do you believe that what we are doing here right now 
is actually transforming the world. Because transformed hearts that are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and motivated towards the glory of God and the good of others, the good of our neighborhood, the good of our culture, causes the culture to be transformed, causes the neighborhood to be changed, causes culture to be turned. The mission of the kingdom of God is a participatory sport, if I could use that language for now. We were designed to get in the game, to contribute to the outcome of the game. We're playing with no goalie. We pulled the goalie. There's no time to lose. And here in Matthew 10, Jesus sends his disciples into the game. They are put into the game. No longer are they just on the sidelines watching Jesus work and teach and heal people. Now they themselves get put in the game. He's just told them at the end of chapter 9 that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. They ought to beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Next verse, Jesus summoned his twelve disciples to them in order to send them out. It's time to get in to the game, Jesus says. As you probably already know, chapter 10 marks the beginning of the second major chunk of teaching in Matthew's Gospel, Sermon on the Mount, chunk number one, first one. Uh, this one here in chapter 10 is the so-called Sermon on the Mission. Chapter 13 is the teaching of the nature of the kingdom of heaven. It's a sermon on the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 18, we see the sermon on managing conflict. Chapter 24, we see the other sermon on the mount, the Mount of Olives, where Jesus teaches about the end and how to be ready for the end. Here in chapter 10, Jesus is instructing his followers on how to get in on the best game that you could ever be in on, the kingdom of God. So, in our verses today, in our passage today, we see four things. We're going to see the power of this mission. We're going to see the people that work the mission. We're going to see the point of the mission. And we're going to see the price of the mission. So, the power, the people, the point, the price. First of all, the power that drives this mission. Matthew begins his chapter by saying that Jesus called his 12 disciples to himself. It's more like a summons to himself, like a regal official calling his subjects to himself. It carries with it an authority that speaks to the deepest parts of our souls. Deep calls the deep. Jesus is summoning his disciples to follow him to himself. Um, if you have ever been summoned to the principal's office at any time in your academic career, then you know the weight of that call. You know the weight of that authority that comes with the call from the principal to get to his office or her office. You're, your heart starts beating faster, your, your shoulders tighten up, and you just feel the weight of that call. Well, Jesus calls the twelve to himself, and he gives to them, out of himself, all the authority with which he himself has just been operating in chapters 8 and 9, that you guys have been traveling through in the last few weeks. Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. He gave them authority and power to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. That is the authority we are calling on, we have called on tonight for the Thomas family. 
and for our community, for those who need this power. The power for this mission does not come from the strength of the disciples themselves. Their authority for their mission is delegated authority. It's borrowed authority. In fact, all authority on earth is borrowed authority. Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel, all authority has been given to him, Jesus, in heaven and on earth. If you, if you have any kind of authority over any other person here on earth, that authority is borrowed authority, is delegated authority. Whether in your work, whether in your home, that authority has been delegated to you. You are called to steward and leverage that authority, not for your own gain, but for the good of the other person, for the good of the world. All authority and power is borrowed power. The power for the mission of the kingdom of God is drawn from Jesus himself. And if I could press it a little bit here, uh, that Greek word for authority is the Greek word exousia, ex, out of, out of the center of, ousia, being, out out of the very center of Jesus being. It means coming from the core of oneself. Uh, You saw that word at the end of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus finished teaching and all of the crowds exclaim, wow, what teaching and what authority. It's because Jesus really knows what he's talking about. He really knows what's going on in the human heart. The center of the cosmos is speaking from the very center of reality. The truest human that ever lived is speaking about true humanity, what it means to be truly human, how to live a truly human life. Jesus knows what it means to be truly human. So his words carry weight because they are the truest words that could be spoken about our humanity. Jesus has the cure for anger. He has the cure for lust. He has the cure for lying. He has the cure for fear, which he speaks about in the Sermon on the Mount. He has the cure for all that because he spoke from the very center of reality, the very center of himself. He spoke as one with authority. That authority, here in chapter 10, Jesus gives out of his very authority. He gives to his disciples out of his very self as well. Authority, exousia, power. Power for the mission is given from Jesus himself. I hope that takes the load off a little bit. It does for me. So the power that drives the mission is the power of Jesus Christ himself. What we're doing here tonight as a church is his. It's his mission. His gospel. Gathering publicly to proclaim and sing of his goodness and mercy and truth and grace. Preaching, teaching and healing. Which we're going to have a a time of healing afterwards tonight. Healing for... Each other, healing for this community. The power that drives this mission is Jesus' power himself. So that's the power of this mission. And so then Matthew then explicitly names the people for this powerful mission. Jesus here, is the, he's the ultimate entrepreneur. You know, he franchises himself out to the world. Sends out the twelve as apostles. They are the sent ones. The people for this mission 
You know, these 12, they come from all walks of life. They're fishermen, businessmen, some are tax collectors, some are fanatics. And one of them betrayed him. Jesus uses all kinds of people for his kingdom, for his kingdom work. And each person has a part to play in this story of God's move from heaven to earth. Every part, every person has a part to play. Uh, you can tell probably that Matthew arranged them two by two as, uh, as he lists them. Peter and Andrew, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James and Thaddeus, Simon and Judas. Judas Simon kind of got the raw end of the deal on that one. I wonder what he thought when it was all said and done. Anyway, Jesus sends the apostles out two by two because you can't do it by yourself. You can't do this Christian life by yourself. You can't do this mission on your own. From the very beginning, Jesus chose people to be with himself so that more could be done than just one person could do it on their own. Not even Jesus could go at it alone as far as preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. So I would encourage you... As you are living out this kingdom, as you are working to serve your friends, serve the people that you need to serve, serve this community, uh, don't go at it alone. If you are going to take a meal to somebody, bring somebody with you. Maybe it's, maybe it's bringing your kids with you. I've taken Micah with me a couple times uh, to people's houses or to the hospital, and uh, I was really nervous about it, you know, because he's five-year-old little boy and six-year-old little boy now Um, but he stepped up he respectfully uh, helped pray for that person and listened and was present with the with the um, with whoever I was praying for Um, so you know I would encourage you as you as you live this out I mean don't don't do it on your own bring somebody with you So here Jesus calls the twelve to be sent out. And as we learn from the rest of the scriptures, these twelve represent this new kingdom that God wants to put into the world. The twelve represent the new church, the new Israel. So when I read this, I don't I don't just limit it to these twelve people. I limit it I see it as us, you are now sent out. We are now sent out. That's us. Jesus sends us out into the world. He sends you out into the world. You are the people for this mission. You have the power for this mission. You are the people for this mission. Alright, so what's the point of the mission? As Matthew explains it. The point of this mission is to bring to bear the kingdom of God in whatever situation they find themselves. Uh, go rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. Where, so wherever you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Uh, the point of the mission is to bring the, to bear the kingdom of God into whatever situation 
you find yourself in, both by declaring the kingdom, preach, the kingdom of God has come near, and demonstrating the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Um, Declaring the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom. For this specific place here in Matthew chapter 10, for these men this day, Jesus wanted them to go only to the lost sheep of Israel. The time for going to the Gentiles would come soon enough. For now they were instructed to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's the very first sermon Jesus ever preached. Matthew 4.35 Heal the sick, raise the dead. The kingdom of heaven has come near. They are to declare with words, with actual spoken words, spoken words that people could hear, words that were spoken out loud to others, the good news that a new world has broken into the brokenness of this world. To tell people that the kingdom of heaven is closer than they might think. And so much better than they could have imagined. So they declare with words and demonstrate with mighty acts the healing and saving power of this new kingdom. Standing on this side of history, we are sent for the same purpose. To declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God. I know the gospel is being declared here each week. We also declare it from our own lips throughout the week. Now, we need wisdom and sensitivity to where people are in their journey. We don't have to force it into every little conversation or water cooler moment. But if you never talk about Jesus at all, how will people hear what makes you different? How will people know where you find your joy in the midst of the grief you're going through? How will people know why you choose to be chased when all their friends are sleeping around like it's no big deal? How will your kids know this story if you don't intentionally pray with them or read the Bible with them or teach them the wisdom of the Lord? We declare the gospel with words and we demonstrate it with our lives. So we declare it, speak it, actually tell people about this person, Jesus, that you know. And then demonstrate it with your life. We live as signs of the kingdom. We put on display the characteristics of this kingdom. We love one another, we care about the hurting, we forgive when we've been wronged, we choose not to hold it over the other person's head. We pray for healing for the sick. Not only do we pray for the healing of the sick, we proactively work to care for the sick, the lonely, the lepers of our society, those who are outcasts, those who don't get any attention, those who get all the avoiding, everybody avoids. We proactively work to bring the kingdom of God to bear in their life. Now, raising the dead, maybe one of you has that gift. And if so, hallelujah. Bring it. Maybe some of you have the gift of casting out demons. Do it in the name of the Lord. Do it so that you can demonstrate the power of the risen Lord working in our world even today. We demonstrate the kingdom in a way similar to what we see in Jesus' instructions to the disciples later on in chapter 10. Where he tells them, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. The bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for workers are worth their keep. We demonstrate the kingdom in the way that we live. Simply, generously. We live in dependence on God 
And we demonstrate His provision for what we need for the journey of life. We recognize that we have received so freely of His grace and His glorious riches that we don't have to hoard our own. We can freely give in generous joy, generous laughter. That is the point of the mission we are on here today. To declare and to demonstrate this gospel. Now, people may not respond to this gospel like we want them to. Christianity will still be rejected by some, as it has been for many years. But at least they would hear, at least they would see what this kingdom is all about. And so here we come to the price of the mission. We've talked about the power for the mission. We've talked about the people for the mission. That's you. We've talked about the point of it all to declare, to demonstrate this mission. But this mission has a price. <laughs> Simply put, the price is everything. The price is all of who you are. It doesn't make much sense, at least to me, to get into a soccer game. Imagine if you got pulled in from the stands for one of the Sounders soccer game and then you just stood on the field. Hey, I'm in the game. Everybody else was running to the ball and you're just standing there. You just, I'm just glad to be on the team and on the field. I'll just stay right here. That would be ridiculous. No, this, it requires running to the ball. It requires staying in your lane. It requires being ready to receive the pass. It, it requires driving when it's time to drive. It requires shooting when you have even the slightest chance. You give it a go. The price of this mission is that it requires all of who you are. Anyone who lays down her life for my sake, Jesus says, and the gospel, will find her life. The price of the mission may be rejection. And that hurts. That's, that's disappointing. Jesus instructed his disciples on how to deal with those who don't receive the message. He invites them to shake the dust off their feet, he said. Now remember, this is a mission here sent to the house of Israel. Uh, the people who have been given the law, they've been given the prophets. The law and the prophets have been proclaiming for years to return, for people to return to their God, to cleanse not just their outward practices, but their hearts as well. The people of Israel have been hearing this call to repent for years now. And if they reject even God in person, if they reject the presence of God in person through uh, the disciples doing these mighty deeds, preaching this mighty message, then they are subject to judgment in a very real way. It will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for, than for that city, for that, for that, than for that household. Now that's a very, very strong statement for Jesus to make. Because as you remember, Sodom and Gomorrah did not fare too well. Sodom and Gomorrah had become the epitome of human-centered self-reliance. We're going to do things our way. We're going to live independently of God. I've got this. I can, uh, I can take care of myself. We will save ourselves. We've got our own mission that I've got, we're going to be on. Their wickedness had come to the point where the most merciful act of God was to save them from themselves by destroying them. The warning here from Jesus is that the heart that is hardened to the kingdom of God cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
This mission requires all of our heart. Every piece of our heart. This mission requires all of who you are. Now, that price is high. But the price of non-mission or staying on the sidelines, the price of that is even higher. Dallas Willard has that, that phrase, the cost of discipleship is high, but the cost of non-discipleship is even higher. And here is where we have to come all the way back to the first point. We will only be able to accept the price of this world-changing mission. We will only be able to accept the price of this declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God when we see that Jesus himself had paid infinitely more for this mission than any of us have or will. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. He can ask us to lay down our lives because he himself laid down his own life. He paid the ultimate price for making it possible for heaven to reside in our hearts and in our world. Jesus gave all of who he was for you to be in the game. To get you in the game, for you to be a part of his kingdom. So what are we doing here? We're getting in on the greatest mission this world has ever seen. God's kingdom breaking into our world. Let's pull the goalie. Let's get in. We got, we got nothing to lose. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I thank you for the way that you uh, teach us what it means to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you that we don't go at it alone. I thank you for the power that you have given Letter Street's Covenant Church to declare the gospel in this neighborhood to demonstrate the gospel to this neighborhood I pray that you would empower us to live it out We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.